0: The State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters.
1: When the Miami Heat and Florida Panthers eked into the playoffs this year, very few gave them a chance to make it as far as they have. Both teams have been number one seeds the prior year, heading into the playoffs with high expectations. Both limped into the playoffs this year, and both were expected to be bounced right away by the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Bruins. Neither happened, as both teams have gone on improbable runs to make it into each sport's respective finals. Considering this was exclusively just an NFL city just 36 years ago, the fact that both teams are playing for titles right now is quite improbable. But just how improbable is it? And does either have a chance to win? To give us some perspective, I welcome in first-time guest Rick Harrow, a lifetime South Florida sports fan, former Dade County Sports Authority Executive Director, and current professor of sports who is a visiting expert on sports business at Harvard Law School. He's also the host of the On the Record Sports Podcast and purveyor of harosports.com. If anyone knows South Florida sports, it's Rick, and he'll be joining us in just a moment. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida sports network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper. And of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Since the turn of the millennium, the Miami heat have won the third most NBA titles with three, just one behind San Antonio and golden state and three behind the Lakers. Meanwhile, The Florida Panthers have only been to one Stanley Cup final way back in 1996 during the Clinton administration. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche, a team that had just that season relocated from Quebec to Denver. Let's bring in Rick Harrow so he can tell us a bit more about both the Heat and Panthers and what their finals appearances mean to South Florida. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Certainly. Well, let's start here. Because as I mentioned in the intro, you're a visiting expert on sports business at Harvard, which of course is in Boston. So given your affinity for everything South Florida sports and the way the Heat and Panthers have eliminated the Bruins and Celtics, how welcome do you feel in Beantown right now? Uh, I tuck my, uh, I wear my hoodie and I I, I tuck my head in my cap and
0: uh, nobody knows. Actually, it is kind of funny because after three years in Boston and I teach there on the Rangers, Uh, It is dicey. It was fun to go to the games at TD Garden for both teams and watch them kind of secretly rooting for the Heat and the Panthers. But, you know, had the uh, Boston teams gotten by those rounds, I'm a pretty avid Boston fan, and you'd have seen it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, wearing the hoodies probably a good idea then if you've got a Heat shirt on under it. But yeah, stay undercover there, stay safe, because people in Boston are not very fond of South Floridians right now. All right, well, well, let's get into it then. So the Heat, the Panthers, both playing for championships here. Who are you more surprised out of the two that made it to the finals?
0: Uh, both.
1: Uh, it's
0: a kind of a hard answer because when you have parallel tracks of two teams who limped into the playoffs as eight seeds and became finalists by winning tough games on the other team's court and ice you really don't expect either one to get there and it's the first time in the history of american sport the two teams have qualified for the playoffs the last week of the season reached the stanley cup and nba finals as respected eight seeds and played back to back over a six-day block of time in two arenas, one hour apart. That is incredible.
1: Certainly. And the fact that uh, the Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins become the first two sports teams from the same city to lose in game sevens in the same season, that's also a first. So, you know, just some of the history being made here is crazy. So should we be surprised by the Panthers or the Heat, given that both were number one seeds last year? And I mean, the Heat, they're, they're largely the same team. They were the Panthers, of course, you know, they, they changed a lot in the off season, but should we be surprised by either? Because, you know, granted, neither of them had a great regular season, but they were both just, you know, loaded with talent and ability. And they were number one seeds last year.
0: It's brilliant management and ownership, but also kind of coaching general manager deployment, uh, the uh, Panthers have been the beneficiary of a 10-year run of Vinny Viola and his family who bought the team for $240 million in 2013. After some struggling in prior ownership, you look at the numbers from the business publications, they're worth three or four or five times that, and well-deserved. You know, on the Heat side, uh, I was part of the initial group that Ted Arison, Lucia Fell, Billy Cunningham, met with the commissioner, and bought the team for $32.5 million. I've got some stories about that. But now that Forbes and others have pegged it at well over $3 billion, clearly he's earned it. They've earned it too. But what they've done is passed it on to, in the Heat case, uh, his son Mickey and his son, and it's a great family affair with Pat Riley being the linchpin. I remember game one, And week one, when I was involved in the Miami arena as the uh, sports authority director and otherwise, November 5, 88, the -the on-the-court heat were started with great fanfare. They didn't read the memo. They lost their first 17 games and ended up 15-67. Three championships later, that opening month is a distant memory. But the most important issue as well is uh, the next major league sports franchise in South Florida. The Dolphins kind of don't count because they were AFL kind of bought in in the 60s. But the Heat made it easier to get the Panthers, easier to get the Marlins, and the rest is history.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't a great, like you said, start to the franchise. And, of course, they didn't even win their first title till 2006. But now they're going back to their seventh NBA Finals uh, since that time. So it's just incredible. And we're going to talk about... Pat Riley and uh, Eric Spolster here in a few minutes. But, you know, sticking with some of the players and things, who are you more awed by, Jimmy Butler or Matthew Kachuk? Because both are just playing out of their minds right now. Uh, Bob Barofsky.
0: How's that? Uh, That goaltender uh, basically came out of nowhere to be the best goaltender uh, in the league by far. You know, Matt Kachuk, uh, incredible, great bloodlines. Uh, great family, and uh, he will probably win the Consummate Trophy and be the MVP of the uh, uh, playoffs, uh, obviously depending on what happens with the Panthers and, and Vegas. Uh, Julie Butler turns it on turns it off, uh, sometimes uh, turns it off more times, turns it on. Those middle games in uh, the series against the Celtics when he didn't play really, really well, get had to worry about it a little bit, but he came back at the right time. So, look, it's a great mixture on both sides.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, playoff Jimmy, I'm certainly starting to believe that's a real thing, even though Game 6 he didn't look like he had his legs too much against Boston, and still they only lost on that last-second tip-in. But you stole my next question because I was going to ask you about Sergei Bobrovsky because he was struggling. He What was he benched for, like, seven games or so? And people were wondering, where was he going to start in the playoffs? And all of a sudden, he has become the hottest goalie uh, on the planet. So what, what happened? What changed?
0: Well, I'm not a goaltender coach. I'm still trying to figure out, as a Floridian, the nuance of how uh, a goaltender can get the angles that he's gotten and make some of his saves so effortlessly. But listen, listen to the universal acclaim that everybody bestows on him as far as the best on the planet. And we all understand that a hot goaltender takes you to the next step in the playoffs. Look at what Vasilevsky did to the Lightning, for the Lightning, just across the state. And you realize this is a rare breed. You know, there were 200 registered Panthers on the endangered list way back in the 90s when the name was chosen. Uh, You know, now we don't have to worry about it because. As long as you got Panthers named Bobrovsky and 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 Kachuk and 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 others, uh, they're going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, and maybe Florida Fish and Wildlife needs to start tagging real Florida Panthers and just naming them after the hockey players. I would be happy to uh, to maybe sponsor Radco the Butcher, the 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 Florida Panther. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with that. And and by the way, you would get a lot more
0: excitement to personalize the adoption of Panthers, especially after what's happening. Uh, these weeks,
1: absolutely. So you know, with the heat, Jimmy Butler aside, of course, Tyler Hero's out injured, and you just have this cast of uh, you know just guys who are just playing out of their minds. And of course, you keep hearing on all of the uh, all of the broadcasts, they keep saying, "Oh, these undrafted players, undrafted players." Of course, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Drew, Stunkin, Robinson, they were all undrafted players. But these are also guys who have been in the league for years, and some people kind of take that as a slight. So, you know, using the word undrafted over and over, do you think they're hammering home a point, or are they slighting this team and how these guys have been playing?
0: Well, they're hammering home the wrong point. Uh, you know, if if, if if you if you think that uh, the, the draft in the NBA is the only way to succeed, you forget that... Uh, These are two rounds, and then you're done. If you're an undrafted baseball player, you got problems. If you're an undrafted football player, you can make it, but it's harder. But uh, the collection of of undrafted players is a testament to Spolstra, to Riley, to the role playing that these players have. And it just proves that if you assemble the right cast of players, you don't need uh, three superstars and everybody else getting out of the way to be successful in the NBA.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should coin a different term, something like alternately discovered talents or something, but people will also be yeah, sketchy. Yeah. I like <laughs> it. Um, like but you know, actually another player, I guess you could say is also undrafted was Udonis Haslam because a lot of people might not remember. Yes. He's been with the heat for 20 years, but he went to France after the university of Florida because he was undrafted and then the heat signed him and the rest is history. Now, Here's a funny nugget before we move on with more Heat and Panthers that Udonis Haslam, he played for the Florida Gators in the 2000 National Championship game against Michigan State, which ultimately beat the Gators. There is a player on Michigan State who has become so successful in life that he bought the Phoenix Suns and Udonis Haslam is still on the heat. So uh, what are your thoughts just on Udonis, who, whose career is coming to a close after this series one way or the other?
0: I know another thought, Matt Ispia was a, a disciple of Tom Izzo at Michigan State. That's a guy who, as he was building his mortgage company, would have weekly meetings in Michigan State colors and would, would sing the, the the fight song. And, and uh, you know, he was pretty darn successful. He cobbled together a mere $4 billion to buy the Suns in the last six months. And now, knowing what I do about Phoenix, he's kind of taken over the town. So he's done well. But clearly, Udonis Haslam has done well, too, as he, people and as somebody who kind of helped create them. Uh, he's not getting enough credit uh, in this finals because, you know, swan song. Look at his stable leadership. Uh, he's not playing and uh, he doesn't need to. Uh, but uh, uh, I think we'll miss his leadership. I don't know what he's going to do, but coaching would not be a bad profession for him.
1: No, I mean, basically, he's been a coach for years anyhow. Now, instead of the heat uniform, he just needs to slap on a suit, and they should keep him there on the bench. That's just my personal thought. But, you know, speaking of coaching, let's talk about coaching now because Eric Spolstra, you know, where do you see him sitting on the pantheon of all-time coaches? Because with this being his sixth NBA Finals appearance, that is only matched or surpassed by, let me read these names, Phil Jackson, Red Auerbach, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Pat Riley and John Kundla, who that was a long, long time ago. So everybody else will recognize the rest of the names on there. So where does Spolstra fit into the history of coaching?
0: Well, a little bit above Ron Rothstein. Uh, people who are on this podcast listening may not remember who we're talking about, but the uh, he uh, led the team to an 0-17 as their first game in November of 88 led to well into december and they ended up 15 and 67 you got to give them and his first team credit but then you go on and on you made the point that they didn't win a championship for a while but uh, listen spolstra's you know pedigree of being in the film room and basically growing up with pat riley has paid off and he's a hall of fame coach no doubt but he's only 50 something so you know let's not push him out the door yet let's glorify him while we can
1: yeah I mean and he still looks like a kid he definitely although with that kind of a uh, shaggy beard and disheveled look he's been carrying lately but hey he's under a lot of stress but normally when he's he's his clean shiny self he still looks pretty young so you know props to him now across town with the Panthers coach Paul Maurice look at the job he's done now think about last year the Panthers they're the number one team they're outscoring everybody. It seems like they're scoring 10 goals a game. And then they lose their coach to this scandal that happened years before. Then in the off season, they undergo, you know, they trade away their best player, but bring in Kachuk. So talk about the job that Maurice has done to be able to keep this team moving in the right direction, squeak into the playoffs. But then they have been amazing, you know, sweeping in the conference finals. Now here they are in the championship series. You know, um. the NHL uh, content people have an incredible
0: series that people are watching. It's on ESPN because of the ESPN new deal with the NHL, and it's basically inside the Stanley Cup, and they chronicle, uh, mic'd up all of the teams that are left as they go through games. They're about two games behind, and they do it every week. And you watch what Maurice does between periods as a motivator, didn't say a lot. Uh, but when he gets to his like 32nd presentations, uh, at the end of the end of an intermission, you listen to it. It's amazing. It's right on. It's the five things people need to know. And his practices are incredible. You know, when I thought about it, I put him in a category because I didn't know what I was talking about of kind of recycled coaches that are hired around the NHL, which is easy to do, but he is standing out. Uh, He's found his home. What an incredible comeback under those circumstances. And hopefully he's he's here as long as he chooses to be.
1: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people might not even realize this, but when you look at the landscape of South Florida, where the Panthers play in Sunrise, it is absolutely nowhere near where the Heat play. It's almost like two different time zones almost, because uh, the Panthers, they play almost out in the Everglades, whereas, you know, the, the Heat are downtown. Given that, that the Panthers play in Sunrise, should they maybe go as the Sunrise Panthers? Maybe not too tough under that name?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you could, but uh, knowing what I know about how important arenas are to the process, you know, when the Sports Authority was created, and I was the director way back in 1981, we decided to figure out how to do a an arena process in downtown Miami. We got basically $30 million from an urban development grant and cobbled it together. And in 88, it opened. We didn't care about making it the eighth wonder of the world. We just cared about it housing an NBA team and then maybe an NHL franchise. And if you remember, the Panthers played there. And Wayne Heisinger dropped $50 million to get them and the Mighty Ducks expanded. And then by the time the new arena opened up in, uh, in uh, Broward County, National Car Rental Center, Office Depot Center, Bank Atlantic Center, bb Center, Florida Live Arena. That's all one building. And uh, the, the reason why we're able to do two buildings um, is that there are two funding sources of tourist tax or development tax money, one that's Dade and City of Miami and one that's Broward. And both of them are calling their teams home. And that's why we have a suburban West arena in around Lauderdale Broward and in a downtown uh, Miami arena, uh, you know, they could have played one, uh, LA, uh, Chicago, you know, they play in one, but you have two. And the bottom line of all of this is the sunrise Panthers might be an interesting name. The Broward Panthers could be, you know, Florida was Wayne Heisinger's early attempt to grab the state Tampa Bay, very successful with their own name. And we'll see how it checks out. I, I don't think we're changing the Florida Panthers name anytime soon because the brand has become so successful.
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw the Marlins go from the Florida Marlins to the, the Miami Marlins to have a little bit more regional ownership. But also, did, did I read, correct? I feel like I read this, and you might be a good person to ask, when they built that Sunrise Arena, didn't they build it in a way to where it's either not going to sink or it's going to sink a certain amount into the marsh safely the way it was engineered or something to that effect?
0: Well, all of these buildings out there have a comfort zone. I'm not a construction guy, but I do know that the plans are to keep that place sturdy. And there were some extra support dollars that were put into that building. And you're right.
1: So, you know, talking about their home, though, they are not the home team. Vegas is. So if they're going to win this, they're going to have to at least win one or two on the road do you like how do you like this Vegas matchup and them going out to Las Vegas? And what do you think about this series that we're about to watch that that should, by all accounts, be really fun to watch?
0: Well, you know, everybody says this is going to be a great series, some five, seven games. Uh, predictions are not relevant. Who knows what's going to happen in in, in, this, in all of this? Uh, and you know, the the 2 2 1 1 1 makes an interesting combination for both teams. Uh, it used to be with the NBA. They were 2-3-2, and they changed two years ago back to 2-2-1-1-1, just like uh, hockey, and just like all the other series. So what it means is we're going to know by next Tuesday how many games both the Heat and the Panthers won away as they come home for respective game threes. Then you have the Heat on Wednesday, the Panthers Thursday, the Heat Friday, the Panthers Saturday. Back to back four day block, unprecedented in South Florida sports, unprecedented anywhere. And I'm not so sure they've got to win one um, uh, away because the excitement is going to be so incredible that even down 2 0 in both series is not going to dampen the enthusiasm. It'd be great if they won one as a fan, it'd be great if they won two. They did it, in, you know, in the Carolina series. But we'll have to see. This is a very unique series in both sports in a very unique time
1: yeah I mean the two three two makes sense from a travel standpoint because the two two one 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 you got these guys flying from you know from deepest South Florida out to Las Vegas and back several times but you know hey they both got to do it so you know the fatigue the the mile the miles all of that stuff is there for both teams so I guess it's probably then fruitless since you don't like predictions I was gonna ask you who do you think's going to win Vegas or the Panthers?
0: Ruthless because uh, <laughs> so I don't like predictions, but I will say this: that, that the two two one one one. I I was always uh, a, uh, a skeptic of why every other series, and I understand the the East and the West travel is by definition less, but every other series is two two one one one, and then automatically you changed it. And I also understand it's saving money not just for the players but reporters and entourages. But listen. The NHL is passing 10 billion in revenue, and the NBA is passing 12 billion in revenue. Uh, they can afford a couple extra trips out west and, and east.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. So let, let's talk about the Heat then, because Denver clearly, you know, they're they're big time favorites when you look at the Vegas betting odds. They of course have Nikola Jokic, who, uh, in my opinion, should have been the MVP for the third year in a row, but he wasn't. Uh, lost that in a close vote to Joel Embiid, but. The, you know, the Nuggets, I also have Jamal Murray, who's playing well. He's a legit star in the league. So, you know, Jimmy Butler, can, you know, what do he and the Heat have to do to overcome this? Because, you know, it's hard to imagine that they're going to keep shooting, you know, 46%, 50% from three-point land. But I, I think that that's what's going to happen. So just talk about this matchup a little bit and what the Heat can do to overcome it.
0: Well, you know, first of all... um it's not one in the boardroom but the heat is worth over three billion according to Forbes and, and Sportico and some of those uh, entities uh, 13th or 15th, around there and the nuggets two billion billion, uh, 20 20th but they're owned by Stan Cronkey and, and his his world so again it's not you know they're not one it's not one in the boardroom yet uh, this will be an interesting series because You know, people say the Nuggets have greater depth. I I don't buy it if you take a look at the way all of the Heat players have been playing. Um, You know, if Murray and Jokic play the way they can and have, uh, they will dominate. Uh, Maybe Adebayo knocks Jokic around a few times, although he's a bigger guy. And we'll see how that all works out early in the series. But I, I, I don't. You know, I, I can't see it being anything other than close because, you know, and, and also who knows what who knows what uh, heat team comes out. Uh, not that they're uh, they're uncertain, but it's just it's incredible what they've done. And just because you're a seed, you know, it doesn't mean that you're underdogs anymore. Look at the way they've been playing.
1: Yeah. Who do you see has the bigger advantage when you start game one, the heat? who have been playing, you know, is there a fatigue factor for seven games or is it the nuggets that are at the disadvantage? Cause they're not going to have played a game in eight days. And sometimes you do get a little of that rust when you go out there and, you know, play somebody other than your own guys in practice.
0: You know, I could make the argument based on uh, some fact that I could be pretty eloquent at times and not really know the inside information from either team and then talk about rest versus rust. And, you know, tell you which one makes more sense. Uh, I will say I haven't the foggiest idea. Rest versus rust is always an issue. Look at all of the teams in baseball who run away with their respective uh, divisions and lose in the first round of the playoffs. We, we see it. We've got it. We know it in all sports. But does it affect the Nuggets? Uh, they're new to this, though. That's the other issue. They haven't been in the finals. Uh, and the Heat has many times. So that's more important to me than rest versus rust.
1: All right. Now, let's say it's two weeks from now, and you have the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers both hoisting their respective championship trophies. How does the landscape of South Florida sports change? It's been 20 years since the Marlins won a title. It's been 50 years for the Dolphins. So, And, you know, the Panthers could get there first. The Heat could get there. What would it be? Their fourth. So, uh, yeah, just talk about what that would mean for South Florida sports if both of these teams were to win here in a couple of weeks. A couple
0: of days, way beyond just the uh, the uh, ice and the court.
1: Uh,
0: in the 1900s, after the Spanish flu pandemic, uh, we looked at the gathering idea as an important part of feeling good, economic expansion. Yankee Stadium built in 1921. Uh, with public money in some part because we wanted to get by the Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, South Florida, it's our Roaring Twenties, another example of how sports brings the economic, social, and cultural fabric together, especially after COVID. And it's also pride, it's obvious, with every new skyscraper and corporate headquarter that comes to South Florida because in in large part, the region viewed as a major league international destination, um uh, we're all closer together uh, largely because of sports dade broward palm beach all the sports authorities i was involved in this becomes very important walking down the streets of south florida and seeing young kids with panthers and heat jerseys and second and third generation families telling stories about how those teams have brought them together is something i'll always cherish being involved in the early stages of both and obviously whether the heat or Panthers win or lose, the region is already a world champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the Heat, they've been good basically for two decades now. So if you're a 25, 30-year-old person who grew up in Miami, you grew up with good Heat teams. This is not something you're used to with the Panthers, and you're right. You're going to start seeing more of the kids wearing the shirts and the hats, and this is something they remember because I was, I think, 18 or 19 the last time the Panthers... Played for the Stanley Cup, and what was that, 1996? So that's a long time ago. There is, you know, two generations of people that haven't seen this team be good until now. So, you know, for you personally, being somebody who was involved so much in this, when the Heat were coming to town, when the Panthers were coming, what would this mean for you to see these teams both hoist the championship trophy within days of each other?
0: Well, you know, my my dad passed way too early of melanoma in 1966, and The last thing I remember with him was him handing me a strip of season tickets for an unheralded American Football League expansion team called the Dolphins. They'd begin play on September 2 of that year, and I have been at games ever since, and obviously he's not. Uh, I remember in 1972, the Floridians folded. The Buffalo Braves passed up Miami on the way to San Diego. The Screaming Eagles were announced with great fanfare, but no arena. South Florida was a tourist destination, Tim, not a corporate Mecca. And fans' history of great franchise memories came from New York, Philly, Boston, Havana, uh, but not Miami. Uh, 57 years changes the landscape for me and a validation that this is a amazing region of sports fans that will continue to be bound together by that moment in 2023 where within a week, we had two eight seeds winning the championship in two winter sports in South Florida. You can dream about it, but it's a lot more uh, realistic today than it was before. And as I said just now, even if neither team wins, South Florida is a champion just by going through this exercise.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, uh, for the second time, and, and I... I promise the listeners, I did not send you a list of my research beforehand, but you you actually touched on what my next question is going to be, and that and that is, I I read your bio, and if there's one thing you and I have in common, my father passed away of melanoma uh, right after the Marlins won their last World Series championship in 2003, and you know we're talking about South Florida, we're talking about a place known for its sun, for its sand, for its beautiful people. But also, I've written, I'm also a health editor, and I've written a ton about melanoma about my dad. So I just wanted to give you a moment to just talk about that particular disease and how serious people should take it. Because you and I, like I said, we're we're in a club people just don't want to be in.
0: Yeah, well, that's a good idea to talk about it. Because, uh, you know, I'm involved with the Honda Classic and a lot of other golf tournaments in any chance. I can uh, focus on fundraising and charity for melanoma. Uh, foundation research is important, but look, this is this is a very dangerous part of the country because uh, sun uh, unprotected uh, sun can uh, effectively kill you without knowing it. Uh, my dad died in '66. I know yours did later, but we could have. Um, certainly done some preventative stuff um, if he worked you know 30 years from then uh, because of what research has has done but most important thing today is stay vigilant stay protected and continue to research that dreaded disease and thanks for that opportunity
1: absolutely and always check your skin for funny looking moles for anything that doesn't look normal because I can tell you i've had yeah i probably had three dozen moles taken off my body, uh, two come back precancerous, and one come back cancer, and luckily they were able to nip that one. So, you know, if you live in Florida, if you go out in the sun, please be careful, and we appreciate you, uh, you know, in between all of this wonderful sports talk, letting us talk about that. So, uh, Rick, uh, before we we start closing out here, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on with the Heat or Panthers or South Florida sports?
0: Well, you know, the South Florida sports uh, stuff, I said fifty years of memories, and that's one of the things I penned for the for the post. And the fifty years is is not just uh, obviously the celebration of the Heat and Panthers. Uh, it's Wayne Heisiger and it's Ted Arison. uh it's Joe Robbie, and the people have come before. You know, I played a little part in it, but uh, it's it's the guys that that were the visionaries. And uh, I was all set to start my legal career uh, after Harvard Law somewhere else. But, boy, when you see Bob Greasy and a 17-0 Miami Dolphins hoisting that trophy with Don Shula, I didn't know an expressway would be named after him. And I also didn't know he would win the next year. But it was an easy fit for me to say, all right, I'm coming back, and they're never going to lose again. (laughs) Well, that had not happened. But, you know, helped create sports here largely because the Dolphins convinced me to come back just by performance. And that's what happens. When sports uh, successfully combines and inspires a community, um, I'm happy with my decision to come back. Uh, Most people are really happy with what they're doing in their respective businesses in South Florida, and sports is a large part of it.
1: All righty. And Rick, of course, in my intro, I talked about your podcast, which is called On the Record. And I talked about your website, which is harosports.com. So just tell us a little bit about what your podcast is about and what people would find at your website.
0: Yeah. So I do a weekly podcast that's contributed nationally, Sports Grid, Sirius, Apple, uh, Stitcher, all of those. And it combines the business of sports with a big interview of the week. So the podcast includes. My deal making issues of the week, three to one, all national. The sports gambling minute: who's done what that week, and then sports tech minute, and then good sports minute. We talk philanthropy. So all of those pieces. But then we have kind of the key interview that I do as part of my national TV show. I have on Bally's uh, Gary Player on the on the podcast. Uh, Joe Thiesman's been on the podcast. Obviously Steve Ross, uh, Gary Bettman, Paul Tagliabue. The people who are in my book called The Sport Business Handbook, which is 50 years of the business from 100 leaders who shapes 50 years of the industry. And I'm blessed enough to have uh, Coach K write the forward and a whole series of local and national industry leaders write. And then the podcast is the interviews that they've done. And I put it all together on a weekly basis. So, I'd love to have you guys link to it and I'd love to have the listeners take advantage of it weekly as
1: well. Certainly. Absolutely. And do you think we're going to get uh sports gambling in the state of Florida straightened out here in the next couple of years?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, the next couple of years. I don't know. Certainly before the sun rises in the West uh, or before we all drown because of global warming <laughs> warming. Uh, I will tell you this, that I, uh, you know, when I started all this uh, crusade on the sports stuff and went to Miami beach high school, one of the first referendums we were doing when I was in my 20s was a kind of combined sports uh, and the Miami Beach hoteliers were all jockeying for that second floor uh, overlook to their casino operation because you know gambling was just a year away. Well, it's 50 years and it's not a year away, so we need it. But who knows what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, well, well, I'll be patient and figure out ways to legally. Uh, check in and bet on our, our sports that we love so much so his name is rick haro rick i really do appreciate you being here with me today again check out his podcast check out his website really interesting guy really smart rick thank you for coming on with me anytime jim thank you very much and that will do it for this episode of the state of florida sports podcast i'm tim walters and to quote the late great anthony bourdain I love Miami for the same reason I love the places I love most around the world. It's the mix here, this big, messy, dysfunctional hell broth of people from all over the world that make it so awesome and make it a place I want to keep coming back to. Also, the food's good. The food and the sports. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.